0: Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Tsadi Ida, and Alf by the two dots. The Gemara here quotes from the Mishnah, the Chai Patur Af mita. If you have a live individual who you're carrying on a bed, then not only you Patur for carrying the individual, but also for the Mita, which is Tefillah, to the individual that you're carrying. Leima Matnitin Rabinotan Hi. Let us say the author of our Mishnah is Natan. Velo Rabbanan, Anad HaChachamim, Detanya. We have a Tosefta that highlights this Machlok between Natan and the Rabbanan. Hamutzi Ma Chaya ba'of Someone who carries out animals, wild animals, birds, to the shooter, name ben chayin, ben shkutim, whether they're alive or dead, chayav. If they are dead, they are chayav. But on those that are alive, you're patur, shechai, no se et Because a live individual carries themselves. So this is the principle that we're using in the Mishnah, which is that when you carry a live person, you're not culpable because the chay actually carries themselves or helps you to carry their weight. To over here already asks, why does that make a difference? It says Tay Lama Patur. Why are you Patur in this case? What are the possibilities? If because the live person makes themselves lighter, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if a person's heavy or light, if you carry them into the Rashuta Rabim, you are Khayah. So that should be irrelevant whether they're lightening the load or not lighting the load. Although what are you gonna say that they help you in the process of carrying? It says that similar to the case of Zeyachol, yachol that we saw yesterday. The person who's carrying is clearly capable of carrying the individual and the entirety of their weight if they so choose. The person who's being carried can't carry themselves. Not for a lack of strength, but because of the position that they're in, they can't carry themselves. And we already saw yesterday that Zeyachol, yachol is Chayav. So what is the tour here of Chay Noseyat Atzmo? In the end, that's what settles for that we learn it out of the Mishkan. In the Mishkan we learn, In the Mishkan they didn't carry any live animals or live entities. The only thing they carried were already Shechter or their hides or for whatever they took from the animals. And therefore, since it's not in the Mishkan, then a person is not culpable for carrying a live individual or according to Rabbi Natan, anything that is alive. And that's the principle of Chayno It's consistent with Tosavot Shita, which we're going to see in a couple of again, which is that when it comes to the Malacha of Hutzah, it's a Guru'ah. It's not a real Malacha, and the only time you're culpable by Hotza'ah is if it's something that we find in the Mishkan. The Rabbanan could even be the authors of Mishnah. Until this point, Rabbanan, don't argue on Rabbanatan, that's only by animals. Because they stiffen themselves. Or they make it difficult. They're trying to escape. They're trying to leave the person that is holding them. They're not necessarily calm in the arms of those individuals that are carrying them. And that's why the Rabbanan disagreed with Rabbanatan. Because you could not apply the principle of in this instance. Whereas of Aladam, when it comes to a human Human being, where the human being is being participatory, is helping out. Then we still apply the principle of chayno se'at tatzmo. Even the rabbanon agree in that instance by a human being that a chayno se'at tatzmo. wants to differentiate. He says that ashabad the depends on the age of the individual. If you're talking about a young child who's trying to squirm out as not being helpful, they're no different than a behema. And because of that, there's a possibility that we would have a differentiation even within human beings, according to the rabbanan, that younger children would have the same din as behema, and they would not be classified as chayno Atzmo, whereas older children or adults would be classified as chayno Atzmo, because they are participatory; they help with the balancing of their weight and with the ability to carry them. What are you going to do with the Mishnah Ben Betera Matir Besus? The Ben Betera says that it's mutar to sell sus. Because the horse does work, does malacha, that you would not be chayav For this is a mishnah in Avodah Zarah with regards to the restriction against selling animals to a akum, to a non-Jew. The restriction derives from exera that Shema, if we allow you to sell the animals to them, that you might also rent or lend them to them. As far as selling it to them, it's not a problem. The problem with renting it or lending it to them is that they will use your animals for work on Shabbat, and you are nitzaveh. You are commanded to ensure that your animals rest on Shabbat. So, if you are going to lend or rent it to these non-Jews and they're going to work on Shabbat, you're going to be culpable for violations of Shabbat with regards to your behimah. So in order to prevent people from renting or lending the animals to the akum, Chazal instituted Xerah that you can't sell the animals to the akum. Ben Petera says that by a sus, by a horse, that's an exception to the rule. Because even if the akum does malacha with the sus on Shabbat, the malacha that you do with the sus, with the horse, is not really malacha. And that is because the rider on the horse is a human being. And a chay no it, that's mo. that's the case, then the horse, even if it did malacha, it's only an iser de Rabbanan, not an iser de so We're not gonna have a xaira de like xaira, which is, we're worried about you lending and renting it to them and having the animal do malacha on Shabbat. But the malacha they're gonna do is a malacha de so That would be two levels of de Rabbanan, which we're not goes there for. And therefore, Ben Batera believes, then when it comes to a horse, you're allowed to sell it to a non-Jew. Avama Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, says about the Ben Beterah, Rabbi Natan, Amru Yochanan said that, Ben Beterah and Rabbi Natan, are of the same Shittah. That is that, Chai Nosei Atatzmah. So over here you see that ben Beteira is subscribing to Rabbi Nathan's position of Chayon Hosea and its application is by a human being. And if that's the case, vi amart, do lo plige Rabbonah if the Rabbonah agree by a human being that Chayon Hosea Tatzmoh, the only reason that they restrict it by animals is because they make it difficult, they try to fight you holding onto them, they stiffen their bodies, my the area, ben Betera, Rabbi Nathan. then why did Rabbi Yochanan only say that ben Beteira and Rabbi Nathan have the same opinion? modo, then even the Rabbanan should be classified in this same grouping because the Rabbanan agreed that Chai no se'at small. he should say ben Ra holds like both Rabbi Nathan and the Chachamim. Gemara says talking about a horse that is specifically used for birds. Is there such a concept as a horse that's specifically used for carrying birds? And There is such a thing. There is this horse that was used by the hunters or the trappers. They used to take live birds that rode on the back of the horses and they attracted or they called in the other birds for the trappers to trap. So the birds that are riding on top of this horse are what we are discussing about whether this sus, whether this horse is considered to be new melacha on Shabbat or not. Ben Betera believes the birds that are riding on the back of the horse are still in the category of Chai that's Mo, and therefore, there's no Malacha by the sus on Shabbat. Whereas, the Rabbanan there believe that even a bird on the back of the horse will be problematic. As Tosva points out, When he says, mutar He means any type of horse. Because no matter what Malacha is being done with the horse, that is mutar, not just when it's carrying a human being. By anything, it's considered to be mutar. The Rabbanan say that you cannot sell this Horse, because of the instance where you sell it for the birds, because if it's used for carrying the birds, the live birds on the back, that, according to the Chachamim, would be problematic, because animals are still considered to be problematic, and not Chay Noseyat Lo The Chachamim did not differentiate within the horses. So because of that, Ben Beteira says that the Susus Mutar, because if it's carrying a human being, Chay <laughs> If it's carrying an animal like a bird, in that instance, it's also, we say, Chay <laughs> Noseyat like Rabbi Natan. And therefore, Ben Bateira says, all the susim are mutar to sell. The Chameem, on the other hand, say, look, you're right, by a human being, if it was carrying a human being, in Ochanami, we would say, chay no seyat But, there is an instance where the horse would be doing melacha, and that's when it's carrying a bird on its back. Carry the falconer's horse, where it carries the falcon on its back in order to attract the other birds. In that instance, the Chachamim think that is problematic, because they do not say, chay no seyat that type of horse. And because of that, they were gozer by all susim. That's why Rabbi Yochanan now said Rabbi Nathan and Ben are of one mindset. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. And Rabbi Yochanan also said The Rabbi Nathan bekapot. That Rabbi Yochanan agrees if the animal is tied up, then it is a burden because we no longer say no say it that small. Once the animal is tied up, it doesn't have that ability to rebalance its weight or to help you carry it, and that would be true by a human being, not just by an animal. Some of the parsai, these Persians, they're as if they're tied up. They wear, as Rashi says, all this heavy-duty clothing, ornamental clothing, and they can't walk. The he- clothing is so heavy that they couldn't walk by themselves. Nevertheless, they get up onto a horse, and they ride away on a horse, and we say that they are... We just saw before from Yochanan, the Ben-Bitei Rabinatan hold the same thing. And that would be true even by Persians. He doesn't differentiate who you sell the horse to. Even if you sell the horse to the Persians who can't walk on their own, and you put them up on the horse, and they're just dead weight on the horse... Nevertheless, Ben Beter says it's fine, and Rabbi Yochanan says that's the position of Rabinotan. So how could you argue that Rabinotan agrees by a case of being tied up, that you don't say chay no seyat atzmo. If Natan and Ben Beteiro of the same ilk, of the same shita, that means that Ben Beter believes that when it comes to a horse that carries a human being, no matter what the human being is, it's chay no seyat atzmo. and we don't differentiate between Persians and Greeks and Romans. Nobody makes such a differentiation. So says, no, no, no. <speaking in Hebrew> The truth is that they can really walk, if they wanted to walk. They just are very haughty. And because of their haughtiness, they make it seem like they can't walk and they hop on the horse. Why? Because the ha'ud pardashchot, the ratach there was this messenger, this captain that the king got angry at. Right? And on his own feet, he ran three parcels. So when they're in trouble, and when they need to run, they move. It's so just that, on a normal basis, they don't feel like moving, they're lazy, they're haughty. And that's why they get onto the horses. So they still have a din of chay no se'at and that's why there's no differentiation between Persians and other individuals. So in conclusion, we have a number of items too. In conclusion, we would say, the Chachamim say, Chai no tzmo, only by human beings. Rabbi Natan says, Chai no tzmo, by human beings and by animals. Rabbi Natan agrees if the animal is tied up, or true, even if the human being was tied up, where they can no longer... B, they can no longer help out he would agree to the Chachamim's position that we don't say that, smoke. that is the conclusion of the Gemara and Ben-Beteira who says you can sell the horses to the non-Jews is in the sheet of Natan. and that is because by a sus that carries an individual everybody would agree that that's Mutar problem is that horse that's carrying these live birds the falconer's horse where according to Chachamim it would be a and according to Natan it would be Mutar therefore ben Beteira is in the sheet of Natan because he doesn't differentiate he says all susim are fine no matter what despite the fact that they could be used for carrying birds. On the other hand, the chachamim are oser al-susim, even though by a horse that carries a human being, it would not have been a problem. But since there are times when they use the horse to carry animals, which would be problematic on Shabbat, they would go there by al-susim that you cannot sell them to the non-Jews. If you carry a niftar, a corpse, on the bed, or a kazait min anything that you're trying to take the tumah out of the house, then you are Chayab. Am Am Rabbi, Rakhana, I'm Rabbi Yochan, I'm Yosef, Am Shimon Lakish, Poter, Rabbi Shimon, the Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon is also Poter, even when you're taking out the mate to bury them. So don't say that the only time Rabbi Shimon is poter is when you're trying to remove the mate from the house. Or you're trying to move the tumor from the house. But here is an instance where you're going to take the mate and you're going to bury it. So not only do you want to get him out of the house, you want to take them till you have a destination for the mate. Nevertheless, Rabbi Shimon says you're paturavir. Amarava umoda Rabbi Shimon borbo torah bo, That if a person takes out a spade with which to dig with and a sefer torah to read in it, the Khayaf, that you are chayav. My says pshita. Of course it is. Dei, ha, nami, shen, if you classify this also as malachas shentzrikelugufa, hey? shen where would be a case where you're carrying something for the item itself? You just said before that carrying a spade to dig with and a Torah to read with is not enough. So, my time, I would have thought I think of the goofo or the goofa. I would think the only time you're for carrying is where the carrying is beneficial both for the object you're carrying and for the individual carrying it. You're carrying out a spade in order to put a plate on it and then to dig with it. Correct it. growth And to read in it. So the benefit of the carrying is both for the object itself and for the human being. I would have thought that's the only time that Rishiman calls it Melacha that it's not the case. Even if you simply do it for the benefit of the individual who's carrying it. That's enough to be called gufa. So if you carry out the spade to dig with, or you carry out the Torah to read in it, that is malachah shetzrichal gufa according to Rabbi Shimon. Case de gufa is when not needed for the individual who's carrying it. So therefore, in our Mishnah, in the case where you're removing the tumah from the house, the individual doesn't need it outside. He doesn't need it in the new location. He just needs it out of his house. Or according to Tosafot, it doesn't match with what they did in the Mishkan, and therefore it's de gufa. And what? Rabbi 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 over here is that even if it's for the benefit of the object, for instance, you're taking the mate out to bury it, so it's sricha gufa, it's for the goof of the mate that's beneficial, he needs to end up in the kever. But as far as the individual is concerned, he doesn't need the mate over there, he just needs it out of his house. And therefore, even according to Rabbi Shimon, even if you're taking the mate out to bury it, it still classifies as mloch shein gufa, because there's no benefit to the one who is carrying it. It might be a benefit to the object, the mate itself, that's being carried, but not to the person that's carrying it, and that's mloch shein gufa, the Rabbi Shimon. There was this corpse, Niftar, that was in the city of Drokara. Rab Nakhmar Fuke the Rab permitted them to carry it out to a Karmelit. Now Rashi claims over here that they had to put either a baby on it, they had to put a piece of bread on it in order to carry it out. We saw that earlier in the Mesekhta in the second parak that in order to carry out the mate, in order to make it tilto, that is a gav, something that you're allowed to carry. We either put a baby or a loaf of bread on it to make it mutar to carry it. Nevertheless, he permitted them to carry it to Carmelite. So Rabbi Yochanan, the Ravano. So the brother of the son of Ravano, said to Rabbi Nachman, "Come on, who are you holding?" Like Rabbi Shimon. If you say it's Rabbi Shimon, Emar the father of Rabbi Shimon Michilu Chatat. You saw the Rabbana Meika. Bishimon and says Malach sheein tzricha l'gufa is patur aval asur. That's an Isser de Rabbanan who says it's mutar l'chatzilah. Amalei alukim d'alid bayat. You can even carry it. Vafilah Rabbi Yehuda. He according to the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda says Malach sheein tzricha l'gufa is chayav midoraita. The mekamim of the Rishut I didn't permit them to, carry them to carry it out into the Rishut Rabim to the public domain. Likar malik. I mean, I only permitted them to carry it into a Rishut that is a Rishut de and we're dealing with the Rishud, the Rabbanan, Gadol Kvod Vodabriot. We saw this again earlier in the Mesachta as well as in the Gemara Brachot, that Kvod Briot, when it comes to giving proper respect to a human being, to an individual, it allows you to violate even a negative commandment in the Torah. And we know from before when the Gemara it doesn't really mean that you can be violated in Iser Dorites right? in Torah, it means that you can violate the Easter of Torah to listen to the Chachamim, that we waive. The Isurei Chachamim, or Israel Dirabanan in cases where you have Gvoda Briot, where the pressing issue or mitigating factor, like Voda Briot, as Rashi says over here, the Kvoda Briot over here is Shayamutabizayon. It was left in a place that was not appropriate for the mate. Oh, but oh, there's a fire there, or was in the heat and was gonna decay, decompose. What about the issue of Tilto? Rashi says, as we mentioned before, So you can carry it out. So carry it out. So what himself says, I don't understand why if your mature din for a covered of briot, then why do you have to worry about tilto as well? If you can carry from reshutu yachid into a carmelite because of a covered then why can't you do tilto, which is muksa itself, that is also a dinder abanan, and you should be able to violate that for a covered of briot. So yesh so, lamar, the shiny tilto, the efsheh garotinok, the kach lo yiter binyan says, you have to say that there is a possibility of doing it there. If you have an option to do a beheter, we're going to encourage you to do it beheter. When you have no other option, we're going to say violate the Easter So over here, the tilt or the muksa part of it, we can get rid of by putting a teen oak or putting a loaf of bread on top of it. That will do in order to avoid an Easter derabanan. By removing it from the house into the carmelite, which you have no choice, the only way to do that is to have an Easter durabbanon be violated. There we say we waive the Easter for kovod ha Someone who pulls out the signs of tumah. Or he wipes out a healthy piece of flesh over belotas. violates a lotasay of the Torah. Chitzishamer minegat A person has to be careful not to ruin this simanei tumah, the signs of tumah that come with leprosy, with torat In terms of the signs of torat one of the signs of zarat is. If two white hairs grow on the Beheret, on the leprosy that's found on the individual, that is a sign of tuma. Or, if you have a person whose entire body is covered in sarat, or a Beheret has in the center of it healthy skin in the center, that is a Siman tuma. And so this person either plucked one of the hairs out, removed one of the Siman tuma, or they ruined the healthy skin or the healthy area inside of the leprosy. And so because of that, they will not become Tameh. They've ruined the Siman tuma. So here you violate the Torah of Shamer B'nege That you have to be careful not to erase any Simanei Tumah with regards to zarat. Itmar. Achat mishtayim chayav. person plucks out one hair out of two is chayav. Achat mishalosh. What happens if he plucks out one of three hairs? So you have two hairs that are white and you pluck one out, there's no more Simanei Tumah. For Simanei Tumah you need two white hairs to make him Tameh. If you pluck one out, you've removed what would have made him Tameh. And therefore, you're in violation of the Isur to play around with the Negat On the other hand, if you have three white hairs and pluck one out, there's still two remaining. You haven't changed the status quo, because the person will be Tamei, whether there are two hairs or three hairs that are there. So now, what happens if he plucks one out of three? What's the din? We have a Machloket amuraim. Rav Nachman Amar says <laughs> your khayav even for plucking one hair? Rav Shezhar Amar, Patur. Well, it's a reasoning. Rav Nachman Amar Masav. you did help it out. Because what happens if the other hair falls out now? You had three originally, you plucked one out. Now, you have a chance that one of the other two hairs will fall out or get ruined. If that's the case, you won't be tamay anymore. See, what you did does up the possibility or percentages that you will be here, And that is a violation of Yisham Erben says at this point in time we look at the here and now and the here and now you haven't changed the status quo you were going to be tamay with three and you're going to be tamay with two and therefore you're a mean, where will I prove to you that I'm right about this din by tzarat from our mishnah that if you take out a kazayat of mate or kazayat of veila on Shabbat you are chayav in the Mishnah ha What we can infer from that is chazi kazayat patur if it was a half kazayat you'd be patur because a half kazayat you're not doing anything it's not enough to make it tamay and therefore you're not really accomplishing anything significant it has to be a full kazayat vatanya don't we have a bright that says chazi kazayat chayav that a half of an olive size of the mate that's taken out is chayav my love how do we reconcile between the bright on our Mishnah our Mishnah seems to indicate if you have less than a gazayat, it's not significant. And you would not be culpable for carrying on Shabbat because you took out less than a gazayat mitameit. Less than a gazayat mitameit is not mitamei, but oh well, it loses its significance. So therefore you'd be patur. But we have a bright thought that says you are culpable in that case. So what is the answer? da'fit chati gazayat I'll tell you what it is. When's the case that his chayav is that he took out a half gazayat out of a single gazayat? Because once he took out the chati gazayat, he actually reduced what was left in the house. And that is significant, because what he left behind is only a chatzikzayit, and that's no longer mitamei ba'ohel. Oh if that's the case, he's done something that's beneficial by taking out the chatzikzayit. On the other hand, our Mishnah, which the inference from our Mishnah is, that the not patur da'fiq chatzikzayit mi'kzayit um'echzah. case when he took out a chatzikzayit, but it came from a larger piece of one and a half kzayitim. So when he took out the chatzikzayit, it didn't change anything. There was still a kzayit left in the house. So that is still mitamei. And what do you see from the Mishnah that you are patur in that case? If that's the case, I have a proof to my scenario that when you do something that's not impactful in aloha, you are a patur. Even though, like you say, Rav Nachman, in the future could impact, that's not meaningful to us. I want to know what's going on now. Rav Nachman says, "Idem ide." I'll explain the bright and the Mishnah. Both cases are chayav. So both those cases that you brought, Rav Shesh, you'd be chayav. And whether you took a chatzik from a full gezayit or you took a chatzik from gezayit to mechza, in either of those cases you'd be chayav. That's Rav Nachman the Shita That even if you didn't do something significantly alochically, but since you reduced. The item from a one and a half down to one. And now if any part of that got went missing, it would have impact. That's enough to make you chayav. So then what about our Mishnah which says you patur on a chatzik zayit? That's the afi chatzizayet made gadol. He took out a chatzizayet from a large amount. I Meaning that doesn't literally mean from a whole corpse. It means from a large number. And it's not impactful. His Gazayat, even in the probabilities, won't change things. Now that he took out that chatzizayet. Tospo points out that he could also just said there's only a Gazayat there. There's only a chatzizayet there. It wasn't impactful because it wasn't problematic before. And you haven't done anything by removing it at this point in time. So, either way, Rav Nachman can come up with a scenario where carrying the Chatzik Zayit is not impactful halachically, not now, and in the future either. It doesn't really impact the probabilities because it's such a minimis amount compared to the totality of what is there. Okay, next Mishnah, someone who peels off one nail from the other, or, or bites their nails, also, if they pluck out their hair, or they take it out from their mustache, from their beard, someone who braids their hair, someone who paints their eye, puts eye makeup on, here Rashi brings down two interpretations as to what Pokesed is. One of them is to part one's hair or to flatten out the hair. The other possibility is Pokesed, they used to put on some sort of dough or wax on the face, let it dry on there and then rip it off afterwards and it left a reddish tint or appearance to the skin well, which was considered to be pretty and healthy. So one of those two things is what Pokestet is. Tosafot seems to favor the second interpretation in Rashi. In all these instances, Rabbi Lezer is Michayev. Michayev means Minat He thinks that these are problematic on Shabbat. Mi-doraita. The will discuss why. And the Chachamim says, a problem only mi dirabanan. These are things that the Rabbanan discourage from doing on Shabbat because they might either lead to something that is a malacha or because they are uvdin de the they're things that people normally do on chol and are not appropriate for Shabbat. Amar, Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Elazar says, machloka biyat. The Mishnah only has a Machloke when you peel off the nails with your own fingers or with the other hand of al-bikli If You do it with scissors or with a nail clipper, then even the Rabbanan would agree you are chayat. Or says, pshita, That's exactly what it says in our Mishnah, that you peel one nail off with the other. I would have thought maybe they're abundant even with a nail clipper, scissors, but I'll say your potato the reason the Mishnah mentions Zubazu is to teach you even in that instance Rabbi Elezer says you're Chayav that's not the case and that by a clue, the Chachamim will agree that you are Chayav the Makhlogan our Mishnah is only when you do it to yourself you peel your own nails off or you bite your own nails off everybody agrees if you bite your friend's nails off or you pick your friend's nails off, you friend's nails off that you are a patur. even Rabbi Elezer agrees that that's not the Isor Midoraita our Mishnah says your nails so madu me again that Rebbe Lezzer would also be if you did it to your friend so why does it say your nails to tell you that the Rabbanan in that instance, still think that it's only an isur derabanan and not an isur deraita. K'mashebulan that that's not the case, and that Rabbi Eliezer agrees when you do it to someone else that you are only violating an isur derabanan. So you do it to yourself according to Rabbi Eliezer, you're chayav Midoraita. You do it to someone else, you're chayav mi de Rabbanan. As far as using a nail clipper or scissors, the chachamim agree in that instance that you will be chayav min ha torah. Whereas if you did it with your own nails or with your teeth. Then there's a machlok, Rabbi Leza says, you're chayab midorayta, the say, you're only chayab Tosafod says something very important over here. He says, this Mishnah is according to Rabbi Yehuda. This Mishnah is according to Rabbi Yehuda because cutting of your nails is a malacha she ain't al gufa. Why did they cut? Why did they shear in the Mishkan? They did it because they wanted the materials that they removed. And since they wanted the materials they removed, that's the tarik zir- al gufa of cutting one's cutting or shearing in the Mishkan. Over here, when you cut the nails, you're not cutting the nails because you want the nails. You're cutting the nails because you want to remove them from the body. So this is a classic case of Malacha Shein Tzvikha the Gufa. If that's the case, the only reason that everybody says you're Chayab when you clip with a clippers or with a scissors is because they hold of Rabbi Yehuda's position. Malacha Shein Tzvikha the Gufa is Khayab. But we who pask in like Rabbi Shimon that Malacha Shein Tzvikha the Gufa is patur is only in Easter Durabanan, then, when it comes to cutting nails, even with scissors, or with a nail clipper, that would only be an Isar de Rabbanan. That's the way Tosvo frames it over here. Most of the poskim believe, like, Rabbi Shimon, that melach Shein Gufa is mutar. The Rambam is the big exception here, who says that, by melach Shein Gufa, we pasken like Rabbi Yehuda, that you are chayav, whereas by Dabr Shein Mikavein, he like Rabbi Shimon, that it is mutar. According to the Rambam, cutting with scissors would be chayav do raita, both according to the Rabbanan and Rabbi Eliezer, whereas according to Rabbi Shimon, who says Malach Gufa is patur, everybody would agree that when it comes to scissors or the nail clippers that we're talking about, only an de Rabbanan over here. There is a Shuta Rivash who disagrees with this Tosafot and says that maybe even cutting nails is a Malach Shetzriichal Gufa, and that is because he claims that in the Mishkan they used to take the skins of the animals, and they used to clean off the hair from the skin of the animals, they used to shear it off, they cut it off, in order to make the skins nice, what he calls the yapoto, to make it look pretty, and says people cut their nails, so that their fingers look pretty, so that they have pretty nails, so they have pretty fingers, so therefore it is, melacha she tzricha the it's a melacha, that is doma, to something that was done in the mishkan, and for the same purpose as in the Mishkan, just like in the Mishkan, they were removing something to make it pretty. So over here, you're removing the nails to make it pretty. Based on that, the Shuta Rivash claims that Tosavot is wrong, and that cutting one's nails is always a melacha Shetzrich Gufa. And even Rabbi Shimon would agree that you're a Chayam. So we are hoshesh a little bit to that Shita of the Rivash. Discussed this in yesterday's Dof that as a big nafkamina with regards to a of a woman on Friday night when she hasn't cut her nails. But that Shuta Rivash disagrees with the Tosafot over here ro Tana an hotel Malo Pi Chaaf you pull out a scissors worth of hair you are Chaab become a Malo Zug. How much is a scissors worth of hair? Am Das time, two hairs is what you have for on Shabbat. Don't we have a Brita that says in order to violate that you're not allowed to make a Kerach, you're not allowed to cut into your head or make yourself bald over being distraught for a mate? That's an Easter that's found in Sefer by Yikra. Over there, you have to cut off two hairs. That Brita started out discussing about cutting hair on Shabbat and says, And for a Kerach, then you only have two hairs. implying that what was before it wasn't two hairs. So the says, don't get rid of it. There's a vava chibur there. And it's just continuing. It's saying, just like by Shabbat, it's malayu piyazuk, which is a scissors work, which is two. Vachayim karcha time is so too for the violation of tasimu karcha, that you're not allowed to place a karcha in your Rosh, That's also two hairs. Tanya namihochim, a brighter that supports that understanding. It's two hairs. Rabbi Lez Omer achat. Well, it says even one hair is problematic. So not only does Rabbi Elezer think that plucking out the hairs or taking out the hairs is problematic in terms of an iser de oraita, where the Chachamim say that it's only an Yisr dirabanan. On top of that, Rabbi Elezer adds an additional Chumrah that he says you're in violation even by plucking out one hair, not by two hairs, where the Chachamim require two hairs. But the Chachamim agreed to Rabbi Elezer that you can be culpable even for one hair. If you're plucking out white hairs from amongst the black hairs because then even if you take out one, it's because it's significant. It's significant because you are trying to remove the specific white hair and therefore it's significant to you and it gives significance in the sense of sheve and therefore even if you cut one hair out, it'll be problematic. that's not only a sur on Shabbat, it's even a sur on a weekday. A man may not dress up like a woman. So the Gemara takes that more broadly, not just dress up like a woman, but he may not do activities like a woman. He may not beautify himself like the women do. And that, the Gemara claims over here, pulling out white hairs from amongst the black hairs, is something that women do, or an activity of women to beautify themselves, and it would be a violation of a man acting like a woman, if he did that to himself. You have a nail that's mostly detached. Or you have pieces of skin, that are mostly off mutar. You can pick it off with your hand, no problem, on Shabbat, le khatrila. but to cut it with a scissor, khayav. Then you would be khayav, it would be alsumidoraito. The Gemara says, wait a minute, discuss this before in the Mesehta, that the Gemara is not comfortable having something be so far apart, being two steps away from each other. If something's alsumidoraito, then the other activity that is similar to it will be osur If it's mutar lechatchila, then the other activity won't be osur We're not going to have something that's mutar lechatchila, and if we do something very similar. It's going to be osur deoraita. The Gemara is not comfortable here saying if you pick it off with your fingers, it's completely mutar, and if you do it with the glee, you're going to be chayam The Gemara says, "Hachi, oh, This is how you have to read it." Pershuruban biyad mutar patur. If the robe came off, then if you pick it off with your hand, it's mutar If you do it with the glee, it's patur aval asur. It's only Low pershuruban if the majority is not peeled off yet then and you're we're doing it with your finger like our Mishnah would be in the Easter de Rabbanan if you did it with a Glee it would be similar to the position of the Chachamim in our Mishnah the Locha is like what Rabbi Shimon Alazar just said now that if the Rove is already detached picking it off with your hand is and if it is not detached then picking it off with your finger would be an Easter de Rabbanan and it would be one step up if you used a Glee if you use a clean when the robe was detached, you'd be in an mi de rabbanan. And if you use the glee when it was only the mute was separated, the robe was still attached, then you'd be oser mi Usr Mideoraita. The only time that is permissible for you to pick it off is in a case where it's peeled upward and it's bothering you. Now in terms of what it means to be peeled upward, it's a makuloket rashi and tosafot. Rashi says klape mala is the pulled towards the nail side of it. Tzaretziporen is lamala, means towards the end of the finger, towards the side of the finger. Because so, Rashi means lamala is towards the end of your hand or the end of the arm. And then Rebbeinu Tam says lamala means towards the body. And so it's peeled off towards the body. So it's makhlogat rashi and tosvot which side it's peeled off. But this additional qualification is that it has to be peeled off in one of those two directions, depending if you hold a Rashi or Rebbeinu Tam. And it has to be mitzarot. It has to be bothering you or painful to you. So in that instance, they the and wave their... Isurah, picking it off with your fingers because the robe was already separated. It was separated in such a way that it would naturally come off. Plus, it causes you a lot of pain. Because of that, we permitted you to pick it off on Shabbat, and they waved the Isur der In any other case, there still remains an Isur One may not pick it off on Shabbat. Okay, we'll stop over here.